Episode 1 of The Expanse Season 5 starts with scientists who find some mysterious new asteroids. They're excited by their discovery, but these rocks are not a natural accident. The ship is attacked by a team led by Philip, the son of Marco Inaros and Naomi. Because Marco and his belter extremists have launched asteroids to hit Earth, coated in stealth tech so they're invisible. It looks like one of them broke up near the sun, and these scientists have detected the fragments. So to keep the attack secret, Philip kills the scientists and blows up the evidence. One of Philip's men gets stuck, and Philip leaves him to die. So how will Naomi react when she learns that her son has grown up to be a ruthless, murdering extremist like his dad? And will these rocks be stopped before they hit Earth and kill millions? This attack was foreshadowed from the start. In Season 1, Avasarala said she worries about people who throw rocks. A belter said a hail of stones will one day come crashing down through Earth's precious blue skies. This attack expresses centuries of belter resentment for their oppression by the inner planets. On Tycho Station, the Rosinante is in for repairs. The new chief engineer, Sakai, says the ship is badly damaged, partly because they used a railgun as a thruster last season. But she says the Rossi was built strong by the Dusters. Duster is a slang term for Martian, used by Belters and Earthers. Just as Belters are called Skinnies, and in the books, Earthers are called Squats. But one of Naomi's best friends is Martian, and she asks Sakai not to use this derogatory slur. In Book 3, Anna says that these kinds of words are dehumanising. When groups think of each other as dusters and skinnies instead of as people, it justifies cruelty and conflict. These tribal, factional divisions and their terrible consequences are what this show is all about. Way back in Season 1, Naomi asked Fred to help her find Philip. Now he delivers, and for the first time in years, Naomi sees her son's face. Naomi left Marco because she didn't want to be involved in his terrorism, but she always felt guilt that she couldn't take Philip with her. Now might be her chance to save her son. On the news, people are flooding through the ring gates to colonise the new worlds beyond. That's thanks to Nancy Gao, the new Secretary-General of the United Nations, who beat Avasarala in the election by arguing for faster expansion to the New Worlds. Avasarala argued that it's too dangerous for people to settle these distant, unknown planets that are full of dangerous alien technology. Like, Illus almost blew up, the Ring almost wiped out the solar system, Eros almost destroyed Earth, and they're already finding more protomolecule structures on these New Worlds. So, are the rewards of these new worlds worth the risk? Holden sees Monica, the journalist from Season 3. She's investigating reports that someone in the belt is secretly experimenting with the protomolecule. In Season 2, Dresden and Cortazar said the protomolecule has the potential to transform and empower humanity, but it could also destroy us. Monica says Holden has a responsibility to protect the world from alien threats, but Holden refuses her and leaves. Holden constantly wrestles with feeling responsible to save the world. Time and time again, he tries to let go of leadership and heroism, but every time he comes right back. Holden can't stop himself from saving people. It's how he was raised. It's who he is. 
Fred Johnson admits to Holden that he and the OPA are experimenting with the protomolecule. Holden says this is too dangerous, and he brings up the artifact on Illus. The protomolecule and the ring were created by an alien civilization called the Builders, but some other entities killed the Builders using these artifacts. Elvie is studying the artifact, and she says it seems connected to human consciousness. Holden has a special connection to the alien technology, thanks to the ghost of Miller. So when Holden goes through the ring, he sees these entities. It looks like they exist in the warp space between the wormholes of the ring. On Fred's table, there's a tesseract, or four-dimensional cube, which might hint that these entities are somehow interdimensional. Whatever they are, Holden says they're angry, and he fears that messing with alien technology could wipe out humanity. Fred says it's probably fine, bro, and that Holden should relax, go build a farm, take up yoga, because if Holden's always worrying about death and destruction, is he really living? On Mars, Bobby investigates a conspiracy. She believes that powerful people in the Martian military are selling weapons to the belt. Avasarala is funding her investigation. Then Bobby gets a message from Catelyn. Catelyn was the wife of Isai, who trafficked stolen Martian tech last season. He did this in the hope of providing a better life for his wife and children, like a Martian Walter White. But this conspiracy was bigger and more dangerous than he realised, and Isai was killed. So now Bobby helps Isai's family by giving them money for a new life beyond the ring. Maybe she uses Avasarala's money. So this is a kind and generous act by Bobby to fulfil Isai's dying wish. Hopefully the world that Isai's family go to is safer than Illus was. Alex flies to Mars in the Razorback. This was Julie Mao's racing ship that Bobby and Avasarala once used. When Alex was in the Martian Navy, they said he didn't have what it takes to fly their best ships. So now Alex comes back and shows off his sweet ride to the people who said he wasn't good enough. He's back on Mars to try to reconnect with his ex-wife Talissa and his son Melis. Alex had left his family behind to go be a pilot, and for a while they thought he was dead. Alex said that he loves Talissa and Melis, but feels that flying on the Rossi and doing good out in space is more important to him. But last season, Alex met Lucia and saw her struggle to keep her family together, and now Alex wants to make peace with his own family. He visits Talissa and tries to apologise, but she doesn't want to hear it. He was gone for too long, she's moved on, and she doesn't want to deal with him. So he calls his son Melis and tries to be a dad. He says, I love you, but his son doesn't say, I love you back. So Alex does what anyone would do and starts drinking. The bar has a Texan cowboy theme. They play country and western music sung in Chinese. Because many of the original settlers of the Mariner Valley on Mars were from China, East India and Texas. And clearly the Texan aesthetic stuck. Alex meets with Bobby, but she's not in the mood to hang out. She's preoccupied with the whole massive military conspiracy thing. And she talks about the dying dream of Mars. Now that the ring is open, people are leaving Mars to go colonise new worlds. Unemployment is rising. It's like the planet is dying. In the book, they call it a ghost world. Alex talks about persisting to reconnect with Talissa and Melis, but Bobby says he's gotta let it go. 
Maybe Alex needs a new purpose, a new home. Maybe every Martian does. Amos takes a ship towards Earth. He's going to Baltimore, because a woman he knew there called Lydia has died. We saw him looking up Lydia in Season 2. On the ship, he looks meaningfully at this older woman. She's about the same age that Lydia would be now. The show hasn't revealed much about Lydia yet, just that she's someone who looked after Amos when he was younger. Some thugs try to shake down the ship's passengers for money, so Amos threatens violence. He talks about how he can hold his breath for a long time, because on these ships, if there's a fight, the crew uses knockout gas to put everyone down. Amos is saying that if they get gassed, he'll just hold his breath and beat up the thugs anyway. The passengers say that Amos shouldn't have antagonised those guys. They would rather pay the protection money than risk violence. Amos put them in danger. That's the thing about Amos and violence. He says that it's pragmatic, that he's solving problems and surviving, but sometimes Amos just gets people hurt, including his friends and himself. He goes and beats up the thugs with his fists and feet and a toothbrush, then in the shower he looks hurt but cleansed. There's dark organ music playing like some kind of ominous church. Amos didn't fight these guys to protect the passengers. He says he did it for himself. At this point in the book, Amos feels physically unwell, and he thinks he's getting sick. But what's really happening is that he's in grief after the death of Lydia. But Amos is so repressed and detached from his emotions that he can't directly feel them. His emotions just come out through his body and through violence. The only way he knows how to feel better is to hurt people. On the way to Earth, Amos is intercepted by Avasarala. She mentions the time that Amos taught her how to walk in mag boots. Amos had said it's like walking in pumps, like high heels, and she asked why he knows what that's like, and he said he didn't always work in space. It sounds like just a funny throwaway line, but it actually hints at Amos's traumatic past. He's mentioned before that he grew up around brothels. He says that he's known pedophiles and people who exploit children, and that when he was five, he lived in a basement. Amos suffered a horrific, traumatic childhood. Returning to Baltimore means facing that past and reflecting on the man he became. Avasarala sends Amos on his way. Since Nancy Gao became Secretary General, Avasarala is still in government, but not as powerful as she once was. This guy, Admiral Delgado, brings her evidence that Marco destroyed that science ship earlier, but they don't know why. Will Avasarala find out Marco's plan before the rock hits Earth? Avasarala's main goal has always been to protect her home, and this attack threatens everything she's fought for. Naomi tells Holden that she's found her son, Philip. She's going to go see him, try to save him, and she's going alone. Because this will be a delicate and dangerous and personal reunion with a group of Belter extremists. Bringing Holden would only complicate the situation, because he's a famous Earther hero who's completely unable to not get involved in things, so she leaves him behind. In Season 3, Naomi told Holden that she won't leave him again, that they're together till the end. But like Alex and Amos, Naomi needs to face her past on her own. And with all his crew gone, Holden is alone too. 
Holden grew up with eight parents. He's always been around family and friends in the Navy and the Cant and the Rossi. Now he's truly alone for the first time in years. The title of this episode is Exodus. It refers to the flood of colonists leaving their homes for new worlds, and it refers to Alex and Amos and Naomi leaving the Rossi for their own quests. What trials and tribulations will they face? And how will they be changed? Thanks for watching, and please subscribe to this channel, because Amazon Prime UK was nice enough to sponsor this video and provide early episodes. Comment below if you want more videos about The Expanse. Thank you to our patrons, including Alarian, Wes Ludothancat, Stephanie Auer, George Eduardo Phillips Cantillo, Nina, and Sir Roger the Nightcook. Cheers.